0: chapter eighteen of the birth of tragedy by friedrich nietzsche this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eighteen it is an eternal phenomenon the avidious will can always by means of an illusion spread over things detain its creatures in life and compel them to live on one is chained by the socratic love of knowledge and the vain hope of being able thereby to heal the eternal wound of existence another is ensnared by art's seductive veil of beauty fluttering before his eyes still another by the metaphysical comfort that eternal life flows on indestructibly beneath the whirl of phenomena to say nothing of the more ordinary and almost more powerful illusions which the will has always at hand these three specimens of illusion are on the whole designed only for the more nobly endowed natures who in general feel profoundly the weight and burden of existence and must be diluted into forgetfulness of their displeasure by exquisite stimulants all that we call culture is made up of these stimulants and according to the proportion of the ingredients we have either a specially socratic or artistic or tragic culture or if historical exemplifications are wanted there is either an alexandrine or a hellenic or a buddhistic culture our whole modern world is entangled in the meshes of alexandrine culture and recognises as its ideal the theorist equipped with the most potent means of knowledge and labouring in the service of science of whom the archetype and progenitor is socrates all our educational methods have originally this ideal in view every other form of existence must struggle onwards wearisomely beside it as something tolerated but not intended in an almost alarming manner the cultured man was here found for a long time only in the form of the scholar even our poetical arts have been forced to evolve from learned imitations and in the main effect of the rhyme we still recognize the origin of our poetic form from artistic experiments with a non-native and thoroughly learned language how unintelligible must faust the modern cultured man who is in himself intelligible have appeared to a true greek faust storming discontentedly through all the faculties devoted to magic and the devil from a desire for knowledge whom we have only to place alongside of socrates for the purpose of comparison in order to see that modern man begins to divine the boundaries of this socratic love of perception and longs for a coast in the wide waste of the ocean of knowledge when goethe on one occasion said to eckermann with reference to napoleon yes my good friend there is also a productiveness of deeds he reminded us in a charmingly naive manner that the non-theorist is something incredible and astounding to modern man so that the wisdom of goethe is needed once more in order to discover that such a surprising form of existence is comprehensible nay even pardonable now we must not hide from ourselves what is concealed in the heart of this socratic culture optimism deeming itself absolute well we must not be alarmed if the fruits of this optimism ripen if society leavened to the very lowest strata by this kind of culture gradually begins to tremble through wanton agitations and desires if the belief in the earthly happiness of all if the belief in the possibility of such a general intellectual culture is gradually transformed into the threatening demand for such an alexandrian earthly happiness into the conjuring of a euripidean deus ex machina let us mark this well the alexandrian culture requires a slave class to be able to exist permanently but in its optimistic view of life it denies the necessity of such a class and consequently when the effect of its beautifully seductive and tranquillising utterances about the dignity of man and the dignity of labour is spent it gradually drifts towards a dreadful destination there is nothing more terrible than a barbaric slave class who have learned to regard their existence as an injustice and now prepared to take vengeance not only for themselves but for all generations in the face of such threatening storms who dares to appeal with confident spirit to our pale and exhausted religions which even in their foundations have degenerated into scholastic religions so that myth the necessary prerequisite of every religion is already paralysed everywhere and even in this domain the optimistic spirit which we have just designated as the annihilating germ of society has attained the mastery while the evil slumbering in the heart of theoretical culture gradually begins to disquiet modern man and makes him anxiously ransack the stores of his experience for means to avert the danger though not believing very much in these means while he therefore begins to divine the consequences his position involves great universally gifted natures have contrived with an incredible amount of thought to make use of the apparatus of science itself in order to point out the limits and the relativity of knowledge generally and thus definitely to deny the claim of science to universal validity and universal ends with which demonstration the illusory notion was for the first time recognized as such which pretends with the aid of causality to be able to fathom the innermost essence of things the extraordinary courage and wisdom of kant and schopenhauer have succeeded in gaining the most difficult victory the victory over the optimism hidden in the essence of logic which optimism in turn is the basis of our culture while this optimism resting on apparently unobjectionable eternae veritatis believed in the intelligibility and solvability of all the riddles of the world and treated space-time and causality as totally unconditioned laws of the most universal validity kant on the other hand showed that these served in reality only to elevate the mere phenomenon, the work of Maya to the soul and highest reality, putting it in place of the innermost and true essence of things, thus making the actual knowledge of this essence impossible, that is, according to the expression of Schopenhauer, to lull the dreamer still more soundly asleep, Welt aus villa und ver one four ninety eight with this knowledge a culture is inaugurated which i venture to designate as a tragic culture the most important characteristic of which is that wisdom takes the place of science as the highest end wisdom which uninfluenced by the seductive distractions of the sciences turns with unmoved eye to the comprehensive view of the world and seeks to apprehend therein the eternal suffering as its own with sympathetic feelings of love let us imagine a rising generation with this undauntedness of vision with this heroic desire for the prodigious let us imagine the bold step of these dragon slayers the proud and daring spirit with which they turn their backs on all the effeminate doctrines of optimism in order to live resolutely in the whole and in the full would it not be necessary for the tragic man of this culture with his self-discipline to earnestness and terror to desire a new art the art of metaphysical comfort namely tragedy as the helena belonging to him and that he should exclaim with faust und sollt ich nicht sein suchtigste gewalt ins leben sein die einzigste gestalt but now that the socratic culture has been shaken from two directions and is only able to hold the sceptre of its infallibility with trembling hands once by the fear of its own conclusions which it at length begins to surmise and again because it is no longer convinced with its former naive trust of the eternal validity of its foundation it is a sad spectacle to behold how the dance of its thought always rushes longingly on new forms to embrace them and then shuddering lets them go of a sudden as mephistopheles does the seductive it is certainly the symptom of the breach which all are wont to speak of as the primordial suffering of modern culture that the theoretical man alarmed and dissatisfied at his own conclusions no longer dares to entrust himself to the terrible ice stream of existence he runs timidly up and down the bank he no longer wants to have anything entire with all the natural cruelty of things so thoroughly has he been spoiled by his optimistic contemplation besides he feels that a culture built up on the principles of science must perish when it begins to grow illogical that is to avoid its own conclusions our art reveals this universal trouble in vain does one seek help by imitating all the great productive periods and natures in vain does one accumulate the entire world literature around modern man for his comfort in vain does one place oneself in the midst of the art styles and artists of all ages so that one may give names to them as adam did to the beasts one still continues the eternal hungerer the critic without joy and energy the alexandrian man who is in the main a librarian and corrector of proofs and who pitiable wretch goes blind from the dust of books and printers errors End of chapter 18